0: This is the strangest story I have
1: ever heard Take a seat, grab a drink, and listen to my words I am a sick man I am a spiteful man I am about to tell you how it all began Welcome to First a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex.
0: And I'm Ethan.
1: So the show I asked Ethan to watch is one Mm -hmm. that I'm actually really excited to hear about. I really enjoyed it when it came out. It's called The Act. Mm -hmm. And it is about Gypsy Rose, for those who are familiar with that true crime case that came out a few, few years back at this point. Hulu did an original series based on that case, and it was super fascinating, so I'm very curious to see what Ethan thought of it.
0: Yeah, Hulu definitely. I I mean, I've seen the advertisements for it. I never watched it. They pushed it like it was going to be the next big thing, even though it's definitely like a limited release show. So I was excited to see it. And now I have an excuse to. And then the show I gave Alex for her viewing pleasure was similar in the true crime uh, phenomenon. It was a good old show by... I believe usa called graceland about undercover cops who are roommates that's putting it lightly but i like to think of it as a buddy cop show with more drama and with more people living in the same house
1: it's like big brother meets three-letter agencies like yeah hundred percent it was yeah no i i didn't realize it was a usa show but i should have that's mm-hmm. not, That was the feeling once I realized. I was like, this does make sense now.
0: <laughs> it has a beach scene. It has, you know, pop music playing in the background. Mmm. Attractive cinematography white male crime.
1: Toward, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Seems
0: to be leaning towards the USA cinematography, I I think.
1: Well, which one of us should start? I can't remember who last left off, but, you know, a month ago.
0: I don't know. Um, I guess we could go by who saw which one first or latest i saw it just before we started recording this so and i watched go... mine this morning okay so we're all fresh in the memory um yeah um
1: by that i mean we do a lot of research beforehand and we take this very oh, seriously we don't procrastinate absolutely. this ever
0: no never ever definitely weren't backlogged at one point in time
1: no 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 <laughs>
0: not at all i do have notes though so we're good there
1: okay hey nice
0: nice we'll see if they're coherent or not
1: Well, then I'll let you look through your notes, and I'll get kicking, huh? Yeah, go for it. All right. So, when I was watching Graceland, this is a point in in the plague, COVID. Hopefully, by the time this has come out, it is a long, distant memory. But because of that, I have gone, I've left D.C., and I went back to Montana for a little bit, and that's because I'm an only child, and I wanted to be near my parents. (laughs) So this morning, it was nice because I got to sit down and watch this show with my dad, who is, uh, uh, I try not to talk him too much details about my father, Mm -hmm. but we will say that he is a big USA kind of fan of these shows. He he loves Burn Notice. Anything that was like that, he's into. Burn
0: Notice suits. Exactly. White collar.
1: And and so he, in particular right now, is watching the CBS show FBI. Okay, so, yeah. So I it's like, it. it's, it's his wheelhouse. This is kind of his genre mm-hmm. that he enjoys sitting and watching. Mm-hmm. And my poor father had to sit down next to me as I was pausing every five minutes writing notes. <laughs> it wasn't like a <laughs> real viewing experience, right? Yeah. So when this, uh, the show starts... And they do this is an hour long show, so you're gonna have to forgive me as I go through every little detail of an hour long show.
0: It's okay, we both got hour longs. Yours is a little bit shorter since it technically had ad breaks since it was network television. Mine was fifty-eight minutes long.
1: Mine was still fifty-seven.
0: Okay. I guess yeah since pilot it's a pilot, it's always a little bit longer.
1: And my guess is they probably had slotted for maybe like an hour and a half or something. I yeah, didn't do enough probably. research on it at that point. Yeah. But Graceland did come out in twenty thirteen and it opens up with this scroll text and it it was hard for me to realize 2013 is so long ago cuz it's 2020 and just our our style of cinematography is different yeah so mm-hmm. so we have a scroll text that catches us up immediately and it's just saying hey there was a beachfront property in southern california that was being used for as a or a drug lord was using the government seized it is now using it as their own property and it's now a hangout hideout for Top secret agents, FBI, DEA, and Customs, who are undercover and in the Southern California area, which to me just seems like bad. Like, why would you use something that was a known crime location to house your lawmen? But fine, sure. But what came out to be is that this was based off real events. Like, this was a real mm-hmm. place that people were using. Who knows how much of the truth, like the, the crime that happens, you know based off of i don't think it's a dick wolf level of like research but i don't quote me on that that's just me assuming
0: it was just the headline that is all we have for that's based off of the true events
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and so this starts with a speech happening at quantico which is the fbi boot camp and it's graduation and the main guy's standing up front and he says you know right now you are feeling an invincible and the best thing around and hot shit and i'm here to tell you i felt like that too and you're gonna learn out the hard way that you're not you're gonna fuck up and it's how you recover from your fuck ups that really defines you and at the time that he's doing this monologue there you're also seeing flashes of a scene happening at a pier because of course it's a fucking pier and of course it's at night and it's a drug deal there's three cars that show up there's one guy who's practicing sleight of hand these other cars meet up together it's a drug deal they bring a brick of drugs.
0: <laughs> drugs.
1: I'm sorry. I'm like it's a brick of white. I don't. I'm assuming that's.
0: I think it was heroin. Is it heroin? Because heroin, like... do you
1: inject. Cocaine, you're supposed to.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, Cocaine. I... Hey, people. We we definitely know crime. Uh. <laughs> we know what's up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be heroin because it's the Mexican cartel uh, meeting up with the Russian. Russian group uh,
1: and 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 this third person, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this third person who's been practicing the sleight of hand go to inject himself and he places a, like a little rubber ball in the crook of his arm and he injects the ball. So clearly he's faking it and clearly he's an agent of some sort as this speech is going on. And when the, I'm guessing the um, director says, you're going to fuck up at some point. He, You see the ball drop from his arm, and everyone realizes it's some kind of deal gone wrong. They shoot him. It shoots him like a high, low shoulder somewhere in there. He falls to the ground. Everyone gets in the car and leaves. There's a girl there who looks dramatically screaming, gets thrown in the car. Uh, turns out this guy's not dead. We're just going to put that spoiler out there real quick, because you learn pretty early on. He's not dead. He, Damn it. He's shot. He's in a safe house as he's
0: recovering. You should die, you should die for your fuck-ups in shows like this
1: obviously clearly Mm -hmm. (laughs) ethan's views are hot damn (laughs) you know it but like the next scene we get is you're you're getting your flash introduction of characters it's like the first half of the characters you're getting introduced to there's someone his name's briggs he's kind of the main-ish character in this he is passed out in bed there's another guy who comes in goes by johnny who is actually i'm very excited about i like this actor a lot i should look up his name real real quick
0: Something Montana, Uh-oh. because another show you assigned me uh-huh. later on down the line, he's in it. Yes, he is. And I was like,
1: "Hey, wait a minute!" <laughs> and I'm so excited when I saw him. I was like, oh, "I loved his character in this. It's a very different character." Let me just say that. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, not bad about yeah, he's Yeah, it's Mandy Montana plays Johnny in this, and I think he's adorable. And I was happy to see that he was in it. And so he is trying to talk to Briggs about you know getting up, getting to work. And Briggs is like, No, I don't want to. Then their boss comes in, and they're just having this shared dialogue of, Okay, yeah, you've been working hard, but we still have more work to do. Oh, by the way, newbie's coming, Michael. I don't remember. They keep calling him Mike throughout the show, so that's all I'm gonna say is Mike. And He's coming in and we need to move Donnie's stuff. And that's when you find out Donnie's not dead. It's just that he's healing and that he'll be back. It's just that he's healing, but they still need to have someone new with this room. So they're forcing newbie into this guy's room. And the boss says, okay, Briggs, I need you to go to the airport to go pick up this guy. And he's like, yeah, sure, boss, no problem. As soon as boss leaves, Briggs looks at Johnny and says, uh, you're going to go pick up this guy because I want to go surf. And I don't want to. <laughs> They manage to, like, clearly it's not that big of a deal. He goes off to the airport. And then we get our first shot of Mike, who's in this airplane, coming from D.C. Oh, yeah, it turns out he doesn't know a lick of Spanish. He's coming to the SoCal area. And he uh, is is talking to his, this this woman next to him who is does speak Spanish as he's practicing out loud. They're kind of this banter back and forth. She asks him, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I'm a teacher." And almost immediately after that, the stewardess comes up and is like, "Special Agent Mike, whatsoever." And me and my dad at this point just like drop our head into her hands, like, "Oh my god, oh my god, why?" And like, it's it's so bad. This stewardess who just it's, like. It's-
0: It's too good of a comedic beat just for, like, something like that. It's just like, you idiot.
1: (laughs) Dummy. Dummy, dummy. And tells him, basically it was a message from the people who are going to pick him up to wait under the baggage claim sign. So be it. He does so, and it takes two hours for Johnny to show up. And there's some more quips happening, and you're finding out that this guy's really smart. It was like a 1700 on his practicals. He's kind of a shitty athlete. His run isn't a great time, but like everything else, he's really smart at and so they kind of give him shit too like you think someone's as smart as you wouldn't wait this long and they have this cool little banter back and forth and that's when you find out that mike is actually really good at reading people he's like oh yeah so you must not be briggs you must be someone else and he's like why don't you think i'm briggs well you're actually impressed by my score and briggs had a higher score than me so he wouldn't be impressed and it's like oh okay cool so you get the sense that he is really good at reading people and scenes in the moment there's more details on that later as you There's characters who are investigating and, like, learning more about him through case files. It's like he's number one out of 47 priority and just was super smart, super great grades, like, number one guy. But, well, even though he decided he really wanted to go to D.C., they kicked him over to Southern California. He has no idea why. And he is now doing this undercover assignment. So, uh, okay, there's. uh, USA does this thing, and it's. I think it's a pilot trope, too, that is exhausting in hour long shows where they don't just have quite enough information to make an hour long episode. So they end up filling in these gaps with these really quick cutscenes at times, and a lot of those I'm going to skip over. Like, just they are silent fillers that present, like the the one out of 47 priority list thing. That's a quick filler, 100%. There's a handful of those that are happening that present information. just go watch it like
0: yeah it's just to show the other key players involved in this exactly and quick exposition just like yeah when they get to house and stuff like that it's
1: it's character bonding getting to like know the sense of the characters so this next big chunk is house tour right johnny's taking through the house tour you meet lauren who is kind of an uptight agent lady you meet uh let's see who else do you meet it's johnny it's briggs who is I I called it as Burnout, this guy who just does not give a shit anymore about anything. (laughs) He is tired. Yeah. (laughs) Sympathy. Like, I have a lot of sympathy for that kind of character. But at the same time, it's like he's, he's there ready to use New Guy as like a way to do his chores and shit. There's Jace, who works with Customs. And he's kind of an asshole, too, in a different kind of way where, you know... Mike new guy, is drinking orange juice and he's like hey my initials are on that and he tries to play it off and actually what he's really doing is covering for Johnny who gave him the juice so he like took the heat instead of his the the, the new friend taking the heat and we also meet a woman named Charlie and her introduction is like she's in a house that has a woman who's addicted to, to something there's a baby on the floor not in a pen she picks up the, the baby puts it in the pen tells the woman to take care of her kid <coughs> excuse me and says, "Okay, well, I gotta go earn rent. I'll be back." And you see her go to the house, and you think, "Oh God, is this drugie who's breaking into a house?" No, it's just Charlie who's undercover. She's she's a part of the gang too. Oh goodness! And I think that's really that's your cast. That's those are the people who live in the house. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff happening. Like Lauren calls Dottie. You get some more back and forth between them. Clearly, they are, in my opinion, more than partners. They are. There's some kind of romantic thing happening, even though it's not detailed in this and lauren is out for blood she wants revenge for donnie being shot even though he wasn't killed she wants revenge she wants to take down these cartels um so let's see here what uh, what other fun stuff there's um a lot of like we explained earlier bonding experiences happening they do surfing they do drinking together like there's there's stuff that happens throughout this episode that just i'm gonna say hey bonding experience
0: Yeah, the first half, it it almost does seem like it should be like a two episode thing, because you'll explain it later. But like, the first half is, like you said, orientation. And it's like, okay, well, we have to have some plot to get people hooked in this. And so we're done with orientation.
1: (laughs) There's 100% a point where I literally wrote in the notes, like, there's still 20 minutes left of this episode. Like, I was surprised. I was like, oh, shit, we're not done yet. Yeah. Uh, Which we're quickly approaching, by the way. Mm-hmm. but so lauren approaches Briggs saying hey this person is a contact for the mexican cartel or the russian cartel it's the, definitely the russian because he's married to a russian anyways mm-hmm. and and we don't have him as a contact anymore why not and it just turns out he he wasn't high enough in the in the chain anymore for them to be working anymore so they kicked him off the list well hey he's still a part of this this group and lauren thinks that his name's Felix, that Felix is definitely a good contact and that they can get information, they can make this bust and bring justice for Donnie. And Briggs is like, mm, sure. <laughs> like, hesitant, but also, sure, okay. But they're not going to tell anyone about it, at least no one that, like, doesn't need to know because they're going to ask forgiveness versus permission. And they go ahead and decide to do this. This is day one for Mike, and they are then going to take him on the sting. Like, that's just, like, you're fresh from Conico, let's go do this. And know what? Actually, you're taking point on it, you're the one at the door, you're gonna be the one greeting him, you're gonna be the one that's gonna be the, the, the guy, which to me, blew me away. Like, there's not even, like, a little bit of training beforehand, like, meh. Oh,
0: <laughs> dive in. I think what I, it kind of goes to prove a point, like, in the sense that, um... Yeah, where Briggs like doesn't really believe in this lead, so he's like, Sure, we'll let you blow it right away if if it comes to it it's not gonna be a big deal because at this point it is like they're not getting supervision from the boss or anything like that or getting approval. They're like, Sure, we'll make the we'll we'll go make a deal. Sure. <laughs> That's about it.
1: There's a little side tangent here as we're filling up time about how, you know, sometimes you get caught, right? This this new guy's really, really nervous about getting caught. There's a story about how Briggs and Johnny got caught at one point that he, that Briggs was a local hero, right? He did some big drug bust. His name was all over the news. These drug lords knew like, they recognized his face, but he lied. He's like, I'm an actor. And then he had to make up this fake movie that's absolutely ridiculous. And, like, the only thing that convinced them was at some point he pulls out his, his FBI badge. And is like, here's this prop that I have. And they're like, look at this piece of shit. This isn't a real thing. La-di-da. Convinces him. And so now there's this ongoing joke that almost everyone's in Briggs' movie. They get, like, cast a character. And that's how, like, this mm-hmm. – they're like – they they all know each other. It's like, oh, yeah, we were all in this movie together. Which also not suspicious at all. It's fine. No. So, um, Mike talks to Felix, almost blows it, recovers pretty quick, using this movie line, basically saying, like, oh yeah, I was in the movie, and they cover it just fine. But turns out that Felix actually doesn't have the money to pay for the drugs that he has, quote-unquote. But what he does have mm-hmm. is another legal deal that they can just exchange resources, you know, sheep for wood. So, Mike picks up on it really fast. Meanwhile, we did see an outpost, command post be set up that has their supervisor from the house and a few people at computers nothing too too wild but uh so there's there's some supervision happening just not like the, the big boys know they so so mike realizes okay there's not money but there's another deal we can make good on cool we can arrest him for the secondary deal they go to a second location which was a bad idea never go to the second location it's dangerous for the agent but also they didn't have anything set up for it so johnny has to literally go running down the alley screaming FBI. These cars <laughs> come tearing around and Oh wait.
0: Before before you go any further, can you tell the audience what the illegal tender was <laughs> that they were trading for?
1: Yeah, sure, because that is pretty funny. Uh the first one was drugs, uh, but Felix has mm. a truck full of knockoff jeans. Not like
0: knockoff Levi's.
1: Not like a, a pickup truck, like a shipping truck.
0: Yeah, like a moving truck. Yeah,
1: full stacked high jeans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, you're right, Levi's, which comes up later because after, yeah. after this, 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 you know, event goes well, Mike earns himself the nickname Levi. So they arrest Felix. You're, you're seeing a lot of these kind of like little cutscenes, And one of the things that ends up happening, unfortunately, is that Felix is being walked down the hall and he ends up seeing Mike along the way. So Felix realizes, oh shit, that was an undercover," So his cover's blown. Felix goes to to prison, is being held, makes bail, quote unquote, but he's like, oh shit, that's not my lawyer. Tries to tell the officer, nope, not my lawyer, don't let me near him. The cop like fucking pushes him over towards him. Real good job there. But turns out this lawyer represents the Russian mafia and they are super unimpressed. They have kidnapped his family, his wife, his children, child, and is basically threatening to kill them if he doesn't fess up to to who he was doing the drug deals with and who this other person was so he lies and says it's the brother-in-law which is the same line that mike gave the very beginning when he introduced him like oh yeah i played the brother in law in the movie so now felix has picked up on the lie of oh yeah he's my brother-in-law which he actually has a brother-in-law who looks nothing like mike they make some comment, oh. too. Like, yeah, if you were white and lost a lot of weight and maybe weren't blonde, like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things happening that...
0: Maybe if you were, like, two inches taller and lost, like, a significant amount of weight.
1: <laughs> and this is about the point that uh, I was like, holy shit, we still have 20 more minutes of the show. Yeah. <laughs> So the first
0: yeah that would have been a good cliffhanger for a pilot episode or something like that yeah
1: exactly and but mm-hmm. they're, they're doing hour long shows and I have a feeling that all these shows are an hour long so they kind of have to stretch out a little bit it's just almost like they rush the first half of it because it's a pilot and you're just trying to get a sense of this big cast because there's a lot of people in the house. And, like, there's, like, weird little flirtation energy between Mike and Charlie also happening in these, like, little quippy side things, too. And it's just, like, by the time we got done with this, like, I was like, sweet, what a great first episode. Nope, mm-hmm, there's more. Okay. Oh, we cool. We got another three-story arc happening. Neat. Cool, 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 cool. So this next arc is them dressing up Mike as the brother-in-law, Frank something or another. And, Can't remember the last name. Uh, they have an hour. A whole hour to transform him. He has to learn all this information and go through makeup. And I'm sitting there like, it, it wouldn't be an hour. Like, I not that I, I I'm belittling the, our wonderful law enforcement people, but like between makeup and sitting and learning shit, like there's no way. There's no.
0: But way. Alex, but Alex, he's smart. Oh,
1: you're right. Shit, he is smart.
0: He learned Spanish in a day. You're
1: right. I'm so sorry. I how dare I, I forget that Mike yes. Whiteboy is smart. Um,
0: how dare you? discredit the mary sue of the show
1: okay side tangent as far as mary sues go i still will take micah there's there's like kind of a acceptable friendly quality to him he's not an asshole he's he's just new he's shiny and new
0: he's got a yeah he's got a charm he's he's got a bright outlook on life and very naive on how things work yeah
1: it's not like Holden from Mindhunters. I can't fucking right. stand Holden. I think that character is mm-hmm. super irritating. And they have from my opinion have very similar things. They're both newish. They are excited about their field. They are trying to do They're very ambitious. Yes, but Holden is a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> so back to this our, our, our show that we are watching. Uh they they manage to Teach him all the stuff. He gets the Y-shaped scar above his eye, which is super important. He's also supposed to be a junkie, so they like make a makeup mark on his wrist, and it's like that's why your your wrist can cover it, or your your wrist can cover it, your watch can cover it. And uh, if anyone asks, it's been fourteen hours because you've been in jail. You've made bail.
0: May I interject in the sense that this is definitely like high school level makeup it's at this so point. Bad. She. I just was like the entire time, they do a good job, like showing like, you know, his eyes mm-hmm. sinking or like the bags under his eyes, because they definitely accentuate that. But the way they do the track marks and then just his scar, I'm like, that was penciled on, motherfucker. Who
1: they are don't you even convincing? Have
0: a... Even if they were 10 feet away, they'd be like, are you sweating that scar off right
1: now? It was like, and that's why I think like this definitely wouldn't be an hour. It literally was like, here's some lipstick. We're going to rub it on your wrist. And here's Mm -hmm. this paintbrush, and here's two colors I've put on for your scar. I'm like, that does nothing. Nailed it. (laughs) But I would say, like, as they're trying to get him ready, is this time, too, that you're seeing this found family element kick in, right? When you have a cast this big, found family, I think, is going to be a major important part of this show. That's my guess, at least. So you see Charlie trying to, like, tell him, okay, here's how to act like a drug addict. And then you have Briggs, who's coaching him, letting him know all this stuff. And, like, everyone's kind of pitching in to help him succeed. Not that there was really anything that was super antagonistic. Again, Lauren wasn't super friendly, but there was no one that was really anti-Mike. They were worried about him replacing Donnie and people forgetting about Donnie. But they weren't necessarily anti-Mike, which you see pretty early on as you see those little jumping cuts of surfing, drinking, celebrating Mm -hmm. together. Like, they're all in this together.
0: This scene is kind of where I like Briggs, especially just because he's kind of like, you know, showing like he's a slacker, like he's, he knows things, but he's not really like implementing it. But he even sits down with Mike and is like, you don't have to do this. And Mike's like, there's a family on the line. Yes, I do. And he's like, okay, you're Frankie, we're going over the lines. And then he's just, yeah, right there. He's, he's confident in in Mike's performance and ability. Yeah.
1: And, and Briggs as a whole as a character is pretty mysterious and purposely so there's some cutaway of um mike trying to figure out more about briggs and like you know there's it just it has always been so calm and zen and kind of distant and charlie's like no he was like the top of his class one of the highest award people in quantico and has done a lot of good work and he used to be really uptight but now he's totally chilled out he took a sabbatical came back like this no one knows what happened And he's like, what? And I had this really good line of, there's no secrets in Graceland except for Briggs. Like, Briggs is the only thing that's unknown in this living, or in this living situation. Mm -hmm. So, and I agree, too. Briggs has this good moment. Like, you don't have to do this. And it wasn't in a shitty, a shitty way. Like, everyone recognized, you're fucking new. And this is a huge deal. Because what's going to happen is that these families are going to ask you to kill someone to prove, like, that you're, you're a bad guy. And you're doing them a favor. And by doing them a favor by killing someone, they're going to release the family. Don't worry, you won't have to actually kill anybody, because you'll come back to us, tell us the information, and we fake everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's doable. Scary, but doable. He gets released, and once again, nailing it, right? The, he, he has a communicator, it's his watch, uh, but there's no GPS, because GPS, I guess, is super easy to track. His, his watch, he can literally just press a button, and the recording goes, so the signal goes down, he can press it back, and it goes back up. And so people are super impressed by his ease and being able to act kind of like this shmarmy guy who married someone into the who's in the Russian mafia. And doing a good job of, like, trying to make point out landmarks without being obvious. Like, oh yeah, who's Soren? Oh, he must run the shop. And just a smart guy who can think on his feet real, real quick-like.
0: I like his line with, like, Florence Greeley wouldn't approve kind of highbrow remark that would obviously go over like you know
1: it went over mine i didn't understand it
0: yeah yeah i didn't i had to look it up but i mean I was like oh go west my son i was like i feel like i know that from something or other like backyard trivia Mm -hmm. that i just don't remember how i know it but i was like okay smart enough and everyone else was smart enough to pick it up so that's good
1: (laughs) right yeah no and everyone being able to pick Keep pace with him. So it's not even like he's necessarily the smartest person in the room. It's just no one expects mm-hmm. Newbie to be so smart mm-hmm.
0: and adaptable or something like that, flexible
1: and able to change his pacing and stuff. So mm-hmm. he ends up meeting with the big boss and convinces him that even though he's a junkie, that he's killed someone before and that he can kill someone to release Felix's family or the rest of his family, moreover. And this goes into saying, like, okay, sure, you've killed someone. Tell me about it. Who was it? And not missing a beat, really, he goes into it. And he's like, about two years ago, I shot a man on the toilet. And Boss Boss is like, wait, what's he fucking doing? What's he talking about? And Briggs and the person, nondescript NPC, sitting at the computer, is like, no, this is perfect. And they start writing up a crime report for the database. And so-
0: I- Because this is based off of Johnny's background story.
1: <laughs> and, and so, uh, Johnny's background story in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they're starting to type stuff up. And so that way, when they inevitably check it right then and there, they can. And, you know, it's a tense scene. They're going to do it in time. They're going to do it in time. Of course, they fucking do it in time.
0: Oh, there's a fucking firewall up. I can't get past it.
1: God, I just laughed so hard. I spilled Dr. Pepper all over myself. Um, <laughs> now it's in my hair. Ugh, Uh-oh. gross, Sticky hair. Uh, and, and so they're like, okay, cool. You killed someone. You're going to kill someone for us, and you're going to do it right now. Who? What? or scratch. Well, yeah. Where else you gotta be? Not nowhere, I guess. So, so they decide to take him. They don't tell him where. They he's again doing this landmarks thing, trying to get an address. And they get the address. And they're like, "Huh. We can't get any information on the owner. That's weird." We'll keep stalling. Do what you gotta do. And they tell him, "Hey, he's in the bedroom. Take him out." And as he gets enters the house. You find out that it's the safe house for the FBI. And or I guess he's. Donnie's DEA. So it's a safe house for the DEA. Donnie's in bed. And Mike has never met Donnie. Donnie's never met Mike. So they have no idea who each other are. They're pointing guns at each other. Everyone else in the command post is like, oh, shit, no. If someone broke into your safe house, what would you do? Shoot him. So they're trying to call Donnie, trying to get like this to all not become a giant cluster cuss. This happens to work out that the phone's ringing. Mike reaches for it. Donnie shoots, scares him. He's like, okay, shit, nope, sounds good. I guess I'm going to get shot at. And they go back and forth, and you find out, oh yeah, hey, I, I trust that you're with the FBI and Graceland because, of all like the weird small cutaways, Charlie gave Mike a key that's actually Donnie's spare, and there was this whole thing about don't touch any Donnie's shit. So he like pulls out Donnie's set of keys, like, look, I, I'm living in Graceland right now, and they're like, oh, okay, sounds good. I take your communications on. Uh huh. Hey everybody. Looks like I've met our new roommate, and, like, they, they are able to hammer it out, I guess. It's a funny scene. Ha 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 Someone almost died.
0: Dissolve the tension right then and there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys. Met the roommate. I shot at him.
1: Yay! Yay. <laughs> Meanwhile, at command post, Briggs realizes we can't send in a whole fleet of, of cars, FBI, people in flag jackets, because that'll give away everything. And more importantly, it could actually harm... The, the safe house further, et cetera, et cetera. So they just send Briggs out ahead, which ends up being a good thing because as Mike leaves and he tells everyone, the three guys, the three Russians in the car, oh yeah, the job's done. They're like, that's nice, get in the car. What? Yeah, get in the car, we gotta go someplace else. Nope, I think I'm gonna walk. Oh no, you're getting in the fucking car. Briggs shows up, kills the driver, kills another person that's in the car, and there's one last person they're trying to get information from. and. He's like, hey, just come out with your hands up. Nope, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to put my hands up. I'm not going to do it. And Briggs shoots. And this is a big deal because there was actually no real reason, quote unquote, to shoot because you did not see a gun. You did not see any kind of threat to happening. It's just that he was refusing to do what the cops were saying. So he got killed, super killed by Briggs, which is a no, no. Fun fact. Cops aren't supposed to do that, particularly FBI people. Um, and so. Mike kills the signal on his watch, looks at him, and they open the car door and a gun falls out. It just kind of so happened that of course, I mean, of course they're fucking armed. Like, it's a healthy assumption, yeah. but it was still not the mm-hmm. right, morally right, rule right call to make.
0: It was the question, did you see the gun? Yes. And he said, yeah, I saw the gun.
1: Wink! <laughs> Uh, shrug (laughs) they they kick the the signal back on and yay they saved the day they they killed some bad guys they made sure donnie was safe they had a beat on the big guy like everything's yay good great they go to celebrate at a beach it's evening i don't know Again, a little bit more bonding time Mike and Briggs end up talking some more, and there's this, this was probably my favorite moment, which is good, that happens at the end, I think it was just really powerful, and Briggs tells Mike, well, congratulations, you did your first job, now your lies are going to become your life. If you ever get a girlfriend, you have to lie to her. If your parents call, say what your work is, you have to lie to her. Everything you do is a giant lie now, and you have to get comfortable with that. And Mike kind of looks over at Briggs and is like, well, how do you not go crazy? And Briggs says, well, who says I haven't? And I just, I think it is, is kind of really poignant in why you would see someone, anyone, but Briggs in particular, be burned out. That's a hard life. You are lying constantly about everything and trying to keep that straight between a bunch of different people. That's a lot of hard work. That's like why interrogations are so powerful in general is because lying takes a lot of cognitive energy. And to do it as long as these people do is is hard. It's incredibly hard and incredibly impressive that they're doing this kind of stuff to keep our country safe, right? hmm And so he gets a phone call, he being Mike. Mike gets a phone call. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go take care of this. Gets up, answers, and it's the guy, again, I'm going to say director, agent, who gave the-
0: I believe he's the director of Quantico. Yeah. Uh, who
1: Who was giving the speech at the very beginning about how you're going to fuck up. And they kind of go back and forth of like, oh, yeah, well, clearly you're listening to my speech because blah, 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 blah. I heard that Briggs saved your life. Yes, sir, he did. Well, and that's like this part was maybe just a smidge over uh, um, heavy-handed. A smidge heavy-handed and saying, well, your assignment here is to be investigating Briggs. Do you think this will distract you or do you think this will prevent you from... Doing your job. And he says, No, sir, it will not. So there we have our big plot twist of this whole episode is that actually, Mike does know why he's there. He was purposely assigned there to investigate Briggs for God knows what. Clearly, something, because Briggs is a loose cannon, a wild card, and that is why he's there. And that's the end of episode one. I actually did that in pretty good time, I feel like.
0: Yeah, you did good on that.
1: <clears throat> I would say my major takeaways. I don't think it was a bad show, right? Like, for a pilot, it, it had the pacing mm-hmm. that you'd expect. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. I I never was really necessarily bored. It just was long. I also...
0: I think they do dialogue really good in this.
1: It feels natural. Like, all the dialogue felt mm-hmm. really natural. All the actors they picked were really mm-hmm. good. And that helps immensely, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is something that we've... We have been talked about on the podcast before... I don't necessarily care about the good guys. <laughs> I am definitely way more interested in shows about bad guys.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: this kind of walks that line because they have to act like bad guys, right? And where's that fuzzy psychology yeah. line? But it's still mm-hmm. just a little too much of we're the good guys and we're doing good. That's weary for me. That's why I don't mm-hmm. like CSI or Law and Order or anything like that. Again, they're not bad shows. It just isn't quite hitting my what I like about true crime yeah which Mm -hmm. would provide to be a good segue for the act but i'm gonna hold off on that Mm -hmm. i guess yeah and and um i didn't really have any big notes on the show besides it was enjoyable like i enjoyed watching it with my dad because it's something that like a genre that he likes and by the end of it he's like yeah Mm -hmm. i'd watch more of that i'm like yeah i figured
0: (laughs) i think so to give preference on this I'm surprised that I even thought of this when we were, like, trying to figure out shows to watch, because this was a show, like you said, it came back in, like, what, 2013 13. or some, something like that? I think I watched it, like, right after the first season released, like, and it was on Netflix, of all places. Now it's on Hulu. Um But I had not seen that show up until, like, now, and I rewatched it just to, so I could have some cognitive remembrance of it with you. But yeah i think it decently aged well but going back on it and looking at it now there's two different like style shifts because like i joked about at the beginning i saw this the first half of the pilot is definitely like they kind of try to make it a comedy thing almost where they're like all these fbi dea and custom agents are all living under one roof
1: wacky let's
0: see if they can let's see if they don't kill themselves And yeah, like, I think it's really cool just to see a sense of, of course, like, they can't have all of undercover agents doing their own thing. They need to all be together so they can coordinate each other's stories. They point out good things like, well, what my, what should my name be? And he's like, Mike, your name's Mike, right? It's like, well, yeah, it's like, then don't make up a name. You're Mike. Mike. <laughs> you don't need to give it a last name. You just say, uh, just a Mike. <laughs> and then I think what it is that I love most is like, you see that drawer wheel? Okay. Well, wherever Donnie's name is, that's where you are. And then Briggs shows up, is like, Oh yeah, you want training? Let's do some wax on, wax off shit. Uh wherever you see the name Donnie, I want you to put Mike as like name supplementation. So when you see Donnie, I I'm doing the toilet.
1: <laughs> well and then so it was first the Donnie thing, and then when Briggs shows up, he says, Okay, wax on, wax off. Whenever you see Briggs, you're you're mm-hmm. now your Briggs. And so he basically passes off all of his chores. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Super funny. Yeah. I really like Briggs. The second time, like, viewing this pilot or just re-watching this, like, I I think I liked Lauren a lot more the first time around, and she does, I think, soften up as the show goes on, but the first, se- like, that first episode, I'm like, wow, you're just being cold. Like, this guy's coming in, and you're like, don't get too comfortable. Donnie's coming back. If you move any of his shit, I'll kill you. <laughs> She's very cold and, like, just, like, eager, and I'm like, okay, sure. I feel like her... Uh, I feel like Lauren and Charlie, as the show go go along without giving anything away, they kind of like transpose personalities. Charlie's a little mama bear at first, and then Lauren becomes a lot more of a soft figure. Granted, I think season two is probably where everything goes shit crazy, and they have reason for both of those characters to shift that way. Never fin- finish the third season, but you know.
1: I was going to say, I think I liked Charlie more as a character than I liked Lauren, because Lauren felt so stock to me. Just, it's mm-hmm. your blonde agent, female, who has to be tough, who is hurt mm-hmm. by someone she cares about being hurt. And just, like, there was nothing unique about her.
0: Yeah, she wasn't very uh, fleshed out or anything like that as a character. And then, we we've talked about Johnny, but then the one that doesn't get enough love is Jake's, and... Not to give anything away, but the amount of screen time Jake's has in the pilot, that's pretty much what he has throughout the entire show.
1: Really? God, (laughs) because it was a fun character.
0: Yeah, I really like Jake's. I like how dickish he is because he's doing customs and then he comes in and is like, you see everything on this top shelf? It's fucking mine. Just pure like roommate life, you know? Living with people, you're like, I have my initials on it. It's on the top shelf. Everything on the top shelf is mine. It's like, cool. Won't fuck it up. Sorry. But yeah, I guess so. We kind of saw some positive negatives from you. The question is, you said your dad would continue watching it. Would you continue watching it?
1: (laughs) What, me answering for my dad isn't good enough? Um, No.
0: I need to know your valid opinion.
1: Well, I think we can... I'm not sure if we've announced at this point... We can't use the bar of if I'd watch it before Harley Quinn, because I've watched... Part one of Harley Quinn at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's been the running joke of this entire season. I think we've vaguely mentioned, or this could be more Patreon following. No, <laughs> no, I
1: think I almost every, since, since we've done Harley for like the last three episodes, I'm like, oh, I'll watch it before Harley. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. now we can say before Harley part two, because I still haven't watched that, surprisingly.
0: Yeah. And I think you're okay waiting until it's all out. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna binge. <sighs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I, I, I probably won't, honestly. This is one that I probably won't continue. It just quite isn't enough for me that between the crime, which again, you think me and how much I love crime, my whole field of study being crime. Mm-hmm. It just isn't quite enough for me to keep going. I think I, there's other shows that are like this I want to watch first. And I don't think it was a bad pick by any means. Mm -mm. It just wasn't, just not my cup of tea.
0: I feel like this is a good show, um, just from my experience with it. There were two seasons out that were available to binge when I started it, and I never picked up the third season, because I picked up the third season up to two episodes because they left on a cliffhanger and I needed to know what happened. (laughs) After that, then it dissolved. The other question I guess I have for you is, do you think... Based off of the pilot, do you think this is more of an episodic show or do you think there's an entire story or like an actual story they go out throughout the entire show?
1: I think it definitely is going to follow. I don't think we'd. Words. Words are hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to do the thing that procedurals do. You have your monster of the week, but the overarching mm-hmm. story is going to be about Briggs and Mike. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. going to be what season one's about. And I'd honestly mm-hmm. even imagine maybe halfway through the season, you get your mid season finale. And that comes to a head, and then you see the growth of whatever the next little mini arc is. Okay. That that would be my anticipation for it.
0: That'd be that'd be your prediction mm-hmm. for it. I think I think you're correct in the sense that it's a little bit more episodic this first season. The second season definitely has like it's just this entire story for one whole season. And granted it's USA, so it's only twelve episodes like a season, so it's not a very long show, considerably. Well,
1: and that seems to be such the the formula right you mm-hmm. almost need the episodes to build up character which just what we know as characters and interactions and what they're going to be like what kind of choices they make and that makes season two more impactful because at some point people get sick of watching episodes they want a long movie there's something about the way we watch mm-hmm. tv and i have this is more me theoretically talking right than actually knowing this but people get sick of episodes they get sick of minor drama and they want something big they want something they can really sink Mm -hmm. their teeth into so if you don't transition Mm -hmm. after that season one either mid finale or full season to a bigger story you lose viewers
0: yeah absolutely i think and i think it'd be cool like you let me know whenever you get through your list of other shows and you're finally just like "Ah, i'll dip my toe into graceland again and then we can like do like a rewatch or something like that maybe that can be like a recap (laughs) episode like in the far far future or something like that but just to see what you think because you're kind of alluding to it right like they they get sick of this and so they go into a whole other show and i feel like i didn't like the second season as much but it goes fucking bonkers like throughout all of season two they they just go off the wagon they're like okay we established all this stuff and we're gonna just make it to the next level of like how extreme it can be after this so it'd be interesting to see what you think at this at some point
1: and that's uh, this is probably one of the few shows i'm coming away from this like i really probably won't watch it like i know i said that about harley too like this is Mm -hmm. like there's not even the passioned excitement if i won't watch it so that means there's no like spite watching me either
0: there there wasn't enough of a cliffhanger with the little plot twist at the end to like really carry you on to the next episode i thought that
1: even the first episode was gonna have to be a movie like you know sometimes you get a plot or a pilot episode mm-hmm. that is good enough to be it's its own little movie no it's just i felt like i would seen the show before and i'll probably see it again mm-hmm. and it wasn't bad mm-hmm. it just was
0: it just was so Based off of based off of eight orange juice bottles, <laughs> uh, what would you rate this show or this pilot out of?
1: Oh, okay. I would say objectively, it's not a bad pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Again, the dialogue was good. The plot wasn't terrible. It had a few unexpected twists to it that I wasn't per- in particular expecting. Although I'm not really someone to sit there and try to figure it out. <laughs> Um, I wanna I wanna rate it high. There's a probably let's say eight out of eight, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's it's not a bad pilot. It really isn't. I have seen mm-hmm. far worse, far far worse. And I think it hits all those things that people need for a good pilot to continue. And just because I personally didn't like it doesn't mean that it should have a low rating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because I'm trying to think like stuff that I don't like. We've already done enough episodes where I can rant forever about things that were done. I just don't have any negative feelings about it.
0: It's a very lukewarm show from from the sounds of yeah. things. Like you're like, you're like, it was nice to watch just to watch, but not eager to dive in.
1: <laughs> so like, I guess like objectively, sure, give it an eight out of eight. Like even then, I'm like, I I, I don't care enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds bad. Like I don't even care good enough to, to give it a rating for myself. Probably. 5.5, 5, right? Like
0: 5.5, 5, I didn't yeah.
1: walk away from it oh, yeah. emotional. I didn't walk away from it feeling super impressed. It just, like I said, look warm.
0: Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I think, like, when I watched it, I think I was on the higher end of it, because it had just come out, so it wasn't necessarily that it was revolutionary. It was just a show mm-hmm. to watch, and Netflix was just starting to get its surge, so I was like, I can binge whatever I want? Oh my god. So, yeah, I, I would I would probably agree with that, just in the sense that it um yeah it I feel like like you said we we still had like twenty minutes left of an episode because we thought it was practically done, and it dragged on, but yeah i would I would probably put it at the same boat, so you can objectively put it like an eight out of an eight, it was decently executed, and then you can have the nice little asterisk, you can watch if you want to, but it doesn't necessarily inspire the drive to continue.
1: I think some of the eight out of eight comes in like people like my dad people who like these kind of shows mm-hmm. i'd say oh have you seen graceland yet 100 percent, it'd be something mm-hmm. i'd recommend to other people who like these kind of shows
0: so maybe it's kind of like an eight out of eight if you want to like watch it with someone like that's into that stuff obviously or like i think since it's usa it obviously falls under excuse me it falls under um like a family watch this would be something that you know, you have your, you know, family on cable network television watching right out of right after like dinner or something Older like that, family. It's say. not kid friendly by any means. Yeah. But, like
1: your, your oh, teens no, yeah. would probably be fine if you yeah. want to talk about drug use. <laughs> I mean,
0: I think you and I come from families where like it was that eight o'clock or that 8 p.m. time where we would watch like Law and Order or, or SCI or something like that, even though those aren't necessarily our favorite mm-hmm. shows. It was just something to do with a group of people. Yes. I would say that's probably I would agree. That's the 8 out of 8 asterisk if you have a procedural crime family. Boop, there you go. Boop, there you go.
1: So, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I my field is 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 crime. I've 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 quote-unquote liked serial killers for a very long time. Learning about the villains has always been super fascinating to me, which is why I like DC cuz DC has the best villains. Um but, so, so as far as the act, it is focused on people who are just doing bad stuff. It is not a good thing. But a lot of my opinions on that I'm going to hold off until we hear Ethan's description of the show. Because I have thoughts. So many thoughts. Mm,
0: so many thoughts. We'll see if I either live up to them or <laughs> you absolutely have to fight me after them. Um, so yeah, the act came out just uh, back in 2019. Fresh limited series from Hulu, which seems to be doing a good job with those lately. Um, so we get introduced to the cast. The very first scene is kind of a prelude to, or a result of everything that's going to happen through the show, or at least halfway through the show. We get uh, the 911 phone call of the neighbors calling. Um, they haven't seen their neighbors in a bit. They, It's been quiet. They've knocked on the door several times. No one's answering. They had some concerns of of the family and want to see if they're OK, because they had seen some posts on Facebook about that bitch is dead. I'm glad she's in hell, you know, rotting away and stuff like that. And so the neighbors go over and test or are checking it out. The daughter calls 911 with all that information. And then we see the mother break in through the window or kind of, you know, open the window to get in to check on them. We hear the sirens in the background And we see her kind of just looking around and just ends up staring at the camera. We then uh, transition to seven years prior. We have both uh, the main characters, which I'm going to premise this in the sense that if you have ever been on Hulu back in 2019 or even, you know, had television during 2019, Hulu was marketing the shit out of this. Everyone knows what the plot's about. They show it prominently through the thing. The basic synopsis is: this deals with, don't know their full names off the top of my head. Um, Dee, Dee help me out. What's her name? Uh,
1: oh, I couldn't tell you last names. I, I don't remember. Uh, no, Gypsy Rose is the daughter. Dee Dee's the mom.
0: Blanchard. I knew it
1: was Blanchard. something.
0: Yeah, I knew it was something because it was. They're they're originally from. <laughs>
1: You knew it was something?
0: <laughs> I knew it was something. They they mentioned they were in Katrina, so I was like, I knew it was like Louisiana and everything like that. So it deals with Dee Dee Blanchard and Gypsy Rose Blanchard. If anyone's seen, knows true crime or anything like that, this deals with the murder and trial of Gypsy Rose Blanchard after killing her mother uh, for, after creating grief and suffering on Gypsy Rose's end because... Dee Dee suffered from Munchausen's By Proxy, where she effectively makes her child sick to get attention from doctors and professionals and society. So, sick child, gets all the praise and concern, and then she gets the attention from it. Uh, so yeah, we start off with Dee Dee and Gypsy moving into a new house that was created by the Habitat of Humanity, big ol' pink house, very fairy tale, princess-like, they go into it, they're doing an interview with local television, um, they're doing this interview very, uh, very proper, very formal, and they, like, they've done it before, you know, kind of sense. I'm always, I'm already gonna have a preference on this, cause I'm like, oh, those lion bitches. The entire time, like, oh, you, you liars! I know this is like just all an act. <laughs> Roll <Real> credits.
1: <laughs> we got there. Wow, wow, no time. Yeah,
0: no, you were waiting for it. I know you were. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, the interview go- is going well. They are trying to ask Gypsy a couple of questions, but uh, Dee Dee, the mom, is inter interjecting and giving her opinions. So she's not letting Gypsy even raise her concerns about stuff. The reporters even bring that up. They let her answer, um, and then we go along with with it. They're done with the interview and all that. Then we cut to a scene with uh, Dee Dee and Gypsy. They're shaving her head, so immediately that raises the concern. She's she's bald throughout the entire episode. Um, we don't know what she necessarily or what her condition is, or why she's in you know in a wheelchair or anything like that. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, I I wanted to interject just real quick. For those who are unaware, Dee Dee's played by Patric- Patricia Arquette, and she's such a good actress. Oh, yeah.
0: I was gonna bring that up because <gasps> sorry. Oh, oh wait, let me do this because I've got a good like line for this. Okay, so yeah, yeah. so we have Dee Dee, uh, uh, jeez, what's the last Blanchard? Name? <laughs> Blanchard Dee, Dee Blanchard is played by Patricia Arquette, who I love. I absolutely uh just loved her in Holes. That's the one thing kissing I remember Kate from kissing Kate Barlow. Kissing Kate Barlow, the best. <laughs> And, um, and you know, she was also in The Medium, NBC's, like, hit, like, TV show for middle-aged moms. Don't roll moms. your eyes.
1: I love that show so much.
0: <laughs> for middle-aged moms. Uh, I, I never watched it, so I can't say. Maybe we'll watch that next season or some, somewhere down the line. um And then we also have Gypsy Rose, played by Joey King, who I love because she's in one of my favorite movies. um She played a daughter in um the movie Wish I Were There with Zach Braff and funny enough in both of those shows they're shaving their heads off or shaving their hair off so shaving
1: their heads off,
0: <laughs> their heads off. no jo- so both in that movie and the show joey has a shaved head which i think insert joke about typecasting here
1: <laughs> she has a nice head i don't she, know yeah. like
0: yeah, no, I, I I was just like, the weird, uh, like, coincidences is like, maybe, oh, she shaved her head in this show, she'll have a good shaved head in this show, let's see how it goes. I thought um, that's all the
1: audition was, hey, can we see you bald? Sure.
0: Sure. Um, So already, you know, they're shaving her head, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason, they don't justify it. She even asks, I wonder what it would be like if I had my hair grown out, and then... Dee Dee is just like, oh, it'd probably just be a knotted up mess, just like my hair, and just dismisses it. We see a lot of Dee Dee through the show just dismissing things, and we kind of know just from, like, us two that are, Alex and I, that are interested in psychology, one's obviously going to school for it, one just has a side, you know, passion for it, or just <laughs> a side study, I'm not gonna get a degree in it, but we can already see the contributions to like a controlling environment or an oppressive environment even just from that scene they put her in a wheelchair she eats everything through a tube directly into her stomach so she has like a stoma valve and so mom is literally just doing like pediature and food and just pureeing it in a blender puts it in a syringe and just like like you know just feeds it into a tube directly into her stomach just mainlines it in
1: Doesn't she like put like literal like pizza in a blender? Like, how do you feel about pizza?
0: Yeah, that's later on. And I was just like, oh. So this is where I started to kind of raise concerns, just in the sense that she's crushing the pills into, you know, a little apothecary, puts it in with the food, blends it all together, puts it in there for her. And it's just like, okay, well, what? It's doing a good job of not giving us all the answers right away or giving us exposition on it, which I appreciate because it makes me raise the questions myself. Um,. They're starting the day off, and then you're just seeing a normal day. They're enjoying the new house. They hope they don't have to move again. So it already kind of shows that they had a bad environment or something happened that caused them to move. And this is the other thing I'm not too sure, and I haven't read too much into it. I don't know at this point in time, seven, quote, seven years ago, how old Gypsy is at this point. I'm feeling like she's like 11 or 12
1: if i remember Um, correctly i think she's 13 13 as far as we know that she's right
0: right um and i'm sure that gets brought up later in the show but she has a very naive sweet girl um she loves princesses and disney that gets brought up a lot she they all dress up in pink they're very frilly and pretty um then we get introduced or we go at the end of the night we see how their nightly routine goes um you know, they say they're kind of little sweet thing to each other. Not necessarily a prayer, but they're like, "Oh, we remember that night down down south all those years ago. Yep, you told me to look at the stars, not at the ghosts, kind of thing." And then she puts on her breathing apparatus to sleep. Mom goes to a closet, which you think is maybe just a freaking like pill cabinet in the bathroom. No, it's a fucking closet full of prescription drugs, and she has it penciled in sleepy time on her Xanax, so she's taking pills, and then she goes to bed. Next day, one of the neighbors, Lacey, she's the teenager that's living next door to them, is going over to greet them. She's played by Anna Sophia Robb, which I've seen her in a lot of stuff, mainly Bridge to Terabithia, so if you like that show, she's in that. She's in a lot of, like, you know, plays a lot of roles like that. Then... She comes over, just wants to welcome to the neighborhood. She's also doing volunteer work and then she wanted some practice with makeup, so she asks, is it okay if I give Gypsy a makeover? Dee kind of hemming and hawing, being the protective mother, like oh, I don't know. Okay, just a little bit, but not too much. Gypsy and Lacey is the girl's name. She, Gypsy and Lacey have a really good kind of like interaction with each other. You can definitely see that Gypsy doesn't have a lot of friends, or has ever really had any friends, because their interaction is just so, like, very introductory, but Gypsy's taking all to heart and just feeling very loved by it. Gypsy's every now and then got makeup, and all it is is just a little bit of foundation, some eyeliner, and, like, lip balm lipstick. And she looks good. They make a sense that Mom only lets her do makeup when they're at conventions, and at those conventions... Uh she dresses up as princesses. She got to dress up as Cinderella. Next she wants to be Ariel. And Lacey like lip I wanted to like just bop her on the head for this line because Lacey just gives a line is like, oh yeah, you want to be Ariel because Ariel gets her legs. And I'm just like Girl. <laughs> and Which,
1: she I don't think you explain that she's in a wheelchair.
0: No, I think I mentioned she's in a wheelchair because oh, she you, gets okay. put I think so, yeah. If I didn't. So gypsy's in a wheelchair.
1: Sorry. I uh, no,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, but yeah, just the sense that she brings that up even though she's in a wheelchair, and she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, because cause Ariel gets her legs in the end, and I'm just like, girl. And she catches herself immediately, because she sees like the the kind of like look on Gypsy's face. She's like, I'm sorry, that was rude. And was like, no, it's okay. And... We go from there. She has to run off. They're talking about boys, boyfriends and stuff like that. She has a really pretty necklace that her boyfriend got for her. And so she's like, Gypsy asks, oh, are you guys in love? She's like, well, I don't know about love, but we may end up together and just have a marriage and be married together. And I'm like, okay.
1: Romance. <laughs>
0: Romance. That's what you want to tell the girl that's trying to be your friend. Uh. She gets a phone call. What I love about this show so far is their use of music or even just the absence of it because it's just purely quiet throughout this entire conversation. All of a sudden we get a cut to the mother Dee Dee and this drone happens like this low bass drone. She's holding onto her clothes onto the I think Gypsy's clothes in her room and then when Lacey leaves we see the scene with Gypsy just like looking at herself in the mirror looking pretty and in the bathroom mirror behind her, we see the reflection of Didi and like this drone kinda just starts as soon as she leaves the frame of the mirror and I was like, oh that's just a brilliant like just scene right there. Just transition. Gypsy doesn't know she's watching or anything like that. Which is a good illusion for the rest of the show, I think. Maybe. I haven't watched the rest of it. But
1: (laughs) I hope not, that's the whole point.
0: (laughs) I no no. I haven't yet. I was just like based off of stuff that happens in this episode especially. Yeah, so music drones, Mom in a mirror I have comma, eerie. <laughs> we see her Dee Dee continually cuts off Gypsy when she's talking to her, makes her pretty much immediately take off the makeup right afterwards. She's looking out the mirror, looking at all the neighborhood, and she's like, take that stuff off. It's not for you. And Gypsy's like, but mama, girls wear makeup. And is like, yeah, but you're special. And so it's definitely getting into the objectification. Like, I don't want my pure daughter to... Be tainted or messy. I don't want her to have be dirtied up. I want her pure, is what I'm kind of getting from that.
1: If I could elaborate a little bit too, in this, Mm -hmm. there is something about in this cycle of abuse infantilizing your victim Mm -hmm. and making them feel like they are incapable of being an adult. Yeah. That even though she's 13 ish years old, at least at least 13, I think, that, but she's still acting like an eight year old. Like that mm-hmm. is so on purpose. You've you've described it in so many ways already. Yeah, making your dress like a princess, having the pink house. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to wear makeup because only, mm-hmm. like, you're too young.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you, as long as you think you're too young and incapable of t- taking care of yourself, that means I'm the one taking care of you. Yep. And if I'm the one taking care of you. I get to maintain control.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, she is proving time and time and again. That she is imposing and making sure that Gypsy knows that she has to be codependent on Mom. Like she's even rolling her around. She can do a little bit of rolling here or there, but if it's as long as it's within the range of Mom. Uh, we cut to them going outside the next day and they actually go over to Lacey's house and they meet the mother. Uh the mother is Mel. She seems kind of we see her previously before this. She's just, like, got a migraine, and she doesn't want to go meet the neighbors. She's just like, eh, ah, I don't need to see them. They're just, you know, I've saw saw enough of them on the news. This is when we meet Mel. Um, they, Dee Dee and Mel seem like polar opposites in the sense that Dee Dee is very lovey-dovey, obviously making sure that just babying on Gypsy, whereas Mel is very much kind of like the hard knocks mom, like well, Lacey's washing this car and not doing her charity thing because family comes first and she, you know, did something that she needs to be punished for. So Mel is definitely kind of hard knocks, no sass type mom. And then Gypsy's there with Lacey and the boyfriend. I can't remember the boyfriend's name, not but important. Uh, yeah, Lace, <laughs> Lacey, Lacey and BF are washing the car. Gypsy's helping them out. Meanwhile, Dee, Dee is with Mel and Mel's friend. They're all kind of just chatting on the porch, and then that's when we get, like, a full list of all of Gypsy's conditions or symptoms. Uh, she can't, like, she had, like, her sl- uh, salivary glands removed because it was hard to swallow and it was causing infections and stuff like that. She has, uh, uh, what's I lost my train of thought. Uh, she has epileptic attacks, seizures, all this stuff, allergic to almost anything known to man, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, wow, I can't believe you have to, you know, they're, they're, you know, praising her for being such a good mom. And she's, you know, shrugging it off like, oh, no, it's not that big a deal. She's my life. We get the illusion that and it's mentioned a couple times, you know, dad's on the picture. He saw that um, Gypsy couldn't walk right. So he just left, was already making fun of her for being a cripple. And then all the conditions came up and he just left. Um, they had to move because of Hurricane Katrina, and they were grateful for the entire neighborhood. Mel even was one of the ones that helped constructed the house. Mel at this point is very um, distant in regards to how she feels about Gypsy and Dee Dee. She, she's giving them a, the, the long arm, just like, I don't think you guys are necessarily who you say you are. She's very suspicious and just not buying into it immediately. She's like, yeah. That's what we do as a society. We help each other and you know build up a house for our neighbors and everything like that. Um, and then she, so she's kind of a hard sell into the act. Um, um, and so yeah, I have like she has a lot of conditions. Dot dot dot. <laughs> um then at this point, um, we go back to Gypsy, who's cleaning the car, and Lacey's having a coke and Lacey at that point in time offers Gypsy a drink, just cause that's what friends do. You're like, hey, you thirsty? Here's a little bit of mine. And we get this dramatic moment. dd sees Gypsy looking down at the at the soda can and freaks. I was like, no, she can't have sugar. She's allergic to sugar. And I'm like, fuck sugar too. That's eerily specific. And so I don't think she smacks it out of her hand, but in, in my replay. I, just picturing her just like slapping it out. She's like, "She can't have sugar." And, and Lacey's like, "Really sorry, she didn't know." And she and Didi's Dee like, "That's okay, baby, but I got to take her to the ER right now." Um or got to take her home. Gypsy says, "I didn't have anything. I was tempted." And then Dee Dee's like, "You can't have any sugar. Do you know what an anaphylactic shock is? Do you know what happens?" First, your, your throat gets tight, then it feels like your entire body's itchy, and then you have spiders all over you, and then you, you faint out and die. So she's listing the, the symptoms specifically, and she's like, that's why we carry this, you know, this E-Pen. And then she's like, but what if I just had a little bit? And she's like, no, you can't even have a little bit. And then she's like, okay. Next scene we have is Dee Dee and Gypsy are shopping them all. They're going around. They're kind of showing off. It seems... This whole thing is like, you know, they're they're showing around and they feel good and they're just seeing everyone about. And it's like the only socialization it seems that Gypsy really gets is when they go to places. And then we see a scene where Gypsy sees the necklace that Lacey got from her boyfriend. And she's like, oh, mama, I want that really bad. Side note, I really love how Joey King is doing her voice for Gypsy throughout this time. It's a very falsetto like soft like child's voice like again that's why i was like i'm not sure how old she's supposed to be in this thing currently right now because she's she looks old enough to be like you know mid-teens but at the same time she's got that falsetto voice that i'm just like is she supposed to be younger than she is or vice versa and so she does a good job of just playing the the puppy child that just wants everything i'm like wow okay like i'm like oh i get that she wants to have like that um connection with Lacey, like look we have matching necklaces now because she really wants excuse me to be Lacey's friends Lacey's friend then dd's like oh i don't know baby and she's like please i really want it no one's watching and i'm like hold up hold the fucking phone here it's like bitch you spoiled but you're not that fucking spoiled and then sure enough Deedee- she is <laughs> yes she is she fucking and i guess i should well i'll talk about it later because it'll be later in the show but so Dee, Dee looks around doesn't see anything gypsy's being a fucking lookout for her she casually just rolls her wheelchair back up to the the jewelry uh hut and then sure enough uh dd puts it in her like side satchel or backpack that's on the wheelchair all the meanwhile mel is actually up on top of a balcony seeing this entire thing dd Dee Dee sees her watching and then mel just walks off and so uh, dd's Dee like ah fuck we got caught so they hurriedly rush out of there and then they you know make their way out then the next scene cuts back to mel and her friend watching tv and funnily enough they're talking about, on the news, Casey Anthony and the missing daughter. Because that was what was happening at the time, seven years prior to everything that actually occurs. And I'm like, ah, awkward. Good job of foreshadowing, folks.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Casey Anthony in another podcast, because I, yes, one of please. my favorite cases.
0: I was working at a pool while that was all happening, and <sighs> we were listening to it on the radio. It was great. Um, Yeah, off of that tangent. uh so meanwhile Dee goes over to talk to mel and just try to see if she can correct what mel saw or just to field out what she saw they were outside uh gypsy saying she was tired and so gypsy wanted to go over with Dee to see mel but then uh Dee was like no you just said you were tired so go inside and just dismisses her gypsy goes inside Dee goes over to see mel well, Gypsy is inside the house, she's just watching TV, and they couldn't get Disney, so they tm uh, so they so they showed some other like nineties like princess prince TV show. So good job not getting that copyright. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, then we see Gypsy. She kind of looks around, making sure mom's away. She grabs the laptop and is actually, and I was like, oh no, this is gonna be like when we see how like crooked and twisted she is uh but no she is like a literal cupcake and i felt like so like i was like i had an awe moment because she googles best friend and boyfriend kissing and i was just like oh you poor sweet little thing even though i know that is not the case (laughs) i was just like you poor thing she just wanted like and she's just googling the term best friend and boyfriend kissing we go back over to. Dee Dee and Mel having a conversation. Mel is just cutting the shit. She's like, hey, I know what I saw. You know, there's a tendency for secrets to get out in this neighborhood. No- everyone knows everything about anybody. And Dee Dee is really spooked by this because she's really afraid. She um, kind of leaves just a little dejected because she couldn't make any headway with Mel. To be, And Dee Dee even has this line when she comes back to the house... Gypsy has cleared the search history off of the computer and hidden it in a way. And she says, I think we found out who, like, the alpha of the neighborhood is. She doesn't, like, she's very, uh, very resistant to trusting people. And so they make the idea to give a potluck. And Gypsy's like, what if you make your famous gumbo for them? And, and they're like, yeah, I can do the gumbo. And she didn't feel like cooking. And this is when we get the pureed pizza. And I... I'll t- I'll preface this. I actually worked in a senior living home, and I actually had to make pureed meals for folks that lived in certain parts of the, the wings, and I feel so bad for people that have to do pureed. Granted, she gets it directly into the stomach. There are people that have to eat a pureed, and oh. I just feel so bad when I see that, and I'm just like, okay. I, I mean, I still enjoy life enough if I had to have pureed food that my digestive system just can't track, but I was just like, really? Like, you can't swallow or, like drink it even you have to get like like directly mainlined into the stomach that's awful um so yeah they go ahead and kind of make a big old potluck they have this is a big old cul-de-sac so they have a nice little park neighborhood right in the middle of it she makes her gumbo and then i was like oh that's kind of nice they're doing this big old like welcome party or like they're creating their own house warming and then we see the charity jar for gypsy's eye surgery or her eye support and i'm like okay so we're already still getting you know everything going on here it's like okay there's always an angle and then Dee Dee's just eating this up everyone's swarming to her being because she's such a good mom and she's taking care of, she's lifting up or listing off the things that's happened and mentioning you know dad didn't want to be in the picture and everything like that so it's just her you know Gypsy is the light of her life. She keeps her alive as much as she keeps her alive, type thing. Then we see Gypsy just literally sitting there in her wheelchair, surrounded by like five and six years old that are just coddling to her. And she is not having fun whatsoever. And she thinks she's about to get introduced to stuff or get to hang out. Mom comes up with a single balloon, not even on a string. It's just like, here, Gypsy, look, a balloon. And then walks off. And I was like, what the fuck goes into that sense of like you know making uh, babying her making sure she feels like a child she's hanging out with she's hanging out at the kids table at the thanksgiving dinner and she's not having a good time Lacey and her boyfriend show up she rolls over to them and and starts talking with them doesn't get much of a conversation they get to hang out for maybe two minutes and then they're already gonna go off and see a movie Gypsy really wants to go, and then Lacey's like, oh, I don't know how your mom would feel about that, and just deuces. <sighs> so she feels really dejected, and then we get a pan over to a cupcake, on or a pan of cupcakes on the table. I'm like, oh, don't you do it, bitch. <laughs> or, or do it, bitch. I don't care. I want to see how this goes. I'm like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Ish. So she's eyeing this cupcake down. She picks it up, and she puts some frosting on her finger, and... Then we cut over to Dee Dee, still talking. She sees Gypsy put a, a finger full of frosting in her mouth and freaks out. She's like, No, she's allergic to sugar, and just takes the E pen out of the satchel and just stabs her right in the leg, just immediately without any razor concern. They rush off to the hospital. The conversation that she was having right before this was with Mel. And they were saying, Look, we've been through a lot. I haven't been proud of what I've done. She's not going to live very long. I just want her to have the best life possible. And Mel's like, yeah, I don't believe any of that shit. You're just being a terrible person and blah, blah, blah. I am I have no sympathy for you and you can't be doing shit like this. And then they run off to the ER. Mel sees this and he can definitely see that she kind of has a raise of concern because she sees how stressed out D is at this. And how concerned she is for her daughter. So I think the mother obviously, in Mel, sees that she's taking care of her kid, even though she may not have the best actions to show for it. We get to the ER. Uh, we can see Gypsy looking over at her mom, talking to the daughter, really concerned about what she's done. She's like, "I try to make sure she stays away from sugar, but it just happened." They leave the ER afterwards. She's having a conversation about how upset she is. She's like, "I'm not mad at you, you know. I'm just mad because." You could have died. And then they have kind of like a little endearing moment and they kind of Didi even laughs and is like, oh, look at the pair of us right now, just kind of being whimsical, like, oh, everything's okay, we're fine. They're getting to the car to leave. Mel shows up, hands Didi her wallet, and is like, here, I didn't want you to, you know, get pulled over without a license or anything like that. And she's like, oh, thanks. They have a moment where Mel is like, look, I'm sorry, but I mean, you know, I just don't When I see things that I don't like, I, you know, have to voice my opinion about it. Dee's like, we moved because I got a bad reputation, and all I ever do is look after my baby girl, and I want to protect her, and I want to be there for her. She's my life. And then Mel's like, I know a thing about bad husbands and bad dads. My dad took the kids and ran off for a little bit. I did some things I'm not happy about, I'm not ashamed about, but I wouldn't put it on my gravestone. So they're like, they just start with a fresh slate, have a hug. You can definitely see Mel is still not totally sold on this because she has this look of just like a blank slate. She's not like warm, like feeling warmed by an embrace. She's like, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> so then we cut over to. Right after this is when we cut back to a f- flash forward. We see the sirens and we see a bunch of cop cars in front of the Blanchard house. This is going back to where the front first scene was. They have a warrant. Two police officers go in. They're searching it. This is when we see that the house at this point in to- time is filled with plush toys, stuffed bears, everything. It's like a shrine to a gypsy with a picture and a painting. And there's just toys galore in the house, like almost like a weird reverse hoarding, but like for, like you said, a princess house or a dollhouse at this point in time. They start hearing a chime, which is alluded back to before when they have an alarm set for when Gypsy needs to take her medications.
1: Which they is... follow
0: the, which is a little like a little watch chime or something like that. The, I'm not sure.
1: Three Blind Mice.
0: Oh, that's, that's right, because they hum that through. Yeah, I couldn't tell by the chime that's what it was, but I could hear when they were humming it through the show. So mm-hmm. yes, Three Blind Mice is playing the entire time. They follow the chime. They get into the bedroom they pull away the covers and bam we see Dee, Dee stabbed in the back like multiple times and she bleeding and she smells funky and everything and they're like we found Dee blanchard or we found mrs blanchard mel and lacy are outside at this time and then they run up when they see that they're you know taping it off as a crime scene they're like what happened is like we found mrs blanchard she's deceased and they're like oh what and so it kind of le- leads to some concerns because they had already obviously hopped in the house. So it gives another thing. It's like what does Mel know and what does Lacey know compared to this? What what all went down? Do they know? Did they? Because D was covered by the bedsheet entirely. Like a kid hiding inside a inside a blanket. Then then we cut back. We go back to I think that's when I run out of notes, but because I said she did, <laughs> That's it. That's that's... <laughs> that, that's it. This is when I like actually kind of like stayed engrossed in the show and I couldn't I wasn't taking notes. But this is when we cut back and it's pretty much the end of the episode as it is. Anyways, they get ready for bed and they give the same speech. You know, the stars are angels. You're my angel and I'm your angel. We protect each other type thing. They're definitely showing that codependency on each other so much. She puts on her breathing apparatus. D takes her Xanax and then goes to bed. We see the clock transition over. It's been about an hour. Then we see this brilliant pan of D Blanchard in bed next to the clock. And then we pan over further to the side and we see she's sharing the same bed as Gypsy. And Gypsy is wide awake. She is waiting for mom to be asleep. At this point in time, she takes off the breathing apparatus and then she starts to get out of bed, and then she rests her feet on the ground, and what I love is they make sure to prove this, that she can walk, by making sure she's cracking and popping her toe knuckles, and you can see, you can hear the sounds of, like, if someone's just having atrophy in their feet and legs, what they would do to make sure that they can still walk. She stands up, she's cracking and popping, walks out to the kitchen, and that, Again, if you kind of know some stuff, you know that she can walk this entire time. This is part of the thing. It's like, this is all part of their their game and everything like that. She still believes she's sick, but there's certain things that she knows she can do. They just put on this show for others, for sympathy. Then she gets out of bed, goes to the kitchen. All the while, she's stretching her back and popping it and everything like that. Like, this is just a normal thing to do. Gets a can of whipped cream, puts it on the counter, has an EpiPen ready, because then we get another flashback to when they were at the hospital. She can hear the doctor telling her, like, you give her Pedialyte, Pediasure, that is hopped up on sugar. She is not allergic to sugar. So now Gypsy's starting to get this reeling in her head, like, I'm going to confirm it. So she gets the whipped cream, puts a little bit on her fingers, takes a little dollop off of it, tastes it, And they have this good, solid beat where they just let her sit on it for, like, five seconds. And then she puts the rest in her mouth just to see. No reaction whatsoever. None of the spiders or the throat closing. None of the seizures. She puts the EpiPen away. She puts the canned whip away. She stands there in the hallway for a good little bit, cracking and popping, and getting ready to go to bed. She enters in the doorframe of the bed. And there is Dee Dee, (laughs) staring at her like, what are you doing? And Gypsy was like, I just needed a glass of water. And she's like, go to bed. Just like any dejected, tired mom would be. But you know there's a sense of like impending power (laughs) over like, best get to bed right now. She gets in bed. They put on the CPAP machine. And then Dee is crying over Gypsy and like cuddling with her, kind of spooning her. And then Gypsy rolls over and she's just staring intently and that's where we end the episode. So, yeah, hour and a half. We're doing good on time.
1: (laughs) So many thoughts.
0: So many thoughts.
1: One, I recommend the show to you One of the major reasons I did is because I I had a feeling you would really appreciate those beats, the music, the cinematography. I can still Mm -hmm. imagine that first scene of the camera panning low on the floor, going towards the door as it's being knocked. Like, the way that it was directed Mm -hmm. and composed is beautiful.
0: It's its its own cinema itself. I love it. That's why I love, like, like I said, obviously I've talked about the cinematography. Most TV shows, I don't really get to express that a lot because it's more or less just, you know, shot for shot. Since it's a limited series, they're like, ah, fuck it, we can go all out, let's do it. Let's, let's sit on these uncomfortable moments for a moment, see what happens, let's do it.
1: So my understanding of the act, when I first saw this, I was like, it's only six episodes, right? It's, it's really condensed, mm-hmm. and I was heartbroken, because I love this show, it was really mm-hmm. well done, I was expecting like two seasons of this one story. Mm-hmm. Apparently the game plan for the act is to do a limited series of different crimes.
0: Okay, kind of like an American tr- crime story and everything. A like little
1: that. bit, yeah. We're we're okay. based off true true crime stuff that's happened, but it's also giving it this kind of larger cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. And
0: the other thing I'll 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 touch on real quick too is we we don't end on like just the shot of Gypsy staring into the camera or staring away. It is um they do say at the very end of it and they actually roll credits with like everyone's name because we hadn't seen it at that point. We had just gotten the act um, but they do say this is all based on true events. However, a lot of this has been dramatized for recreation or like for recreation and everything like that. So they definitely give it a good poignant moment of like, this is what we think base events are made off of based off of. But we're going to drama it up just to give you that, you know, film theme to it.
1: The thing is, though, I don't think they had to change much like if you read I the th- case I honest-
0: yeah i honestly don't think they had to change much but like the way they did the dialogue is great in this and i think that's where they're like hey we can't say for beat for beat what happened behind closed doors is this because mm-hmm. i was waiting for like i mean from what i know and i don't know much about the case i know enough about the tr- the the events in question that i was like ah shit is this when patricia arquette is gonna like beat her ass right before they go to bed or something so she like has a black eye i was like waiting for that i was like she wasn't gonna say get to bed she's like what the fuck you doing out of bed and just like start slamming her abusively i was like oh no and then they go to bed i'm like so there's already that tension there like you saw the the facade going on
1: i think what was what's really successful about this show is if you know the case the dramatic irony is delicious like, there's a lot of good moments of the cupcakes, the her feet hitting mm-hmm. the floor. There's so many good moments
0: mm-hmm. that you're like,
1: oh, God, yeah, I know. I know what's happening right now. And if you don't, those reveals are so much are like, so, oh.
0: They're so poignant. I love it.
1: Um, I really like Mel's character. I don't mm-hmm. think, I, I think they do a good job at making her seem the bad guy. Like,
0: rude, mm-hmm.
1: unsympathetic.
0: Of course, yeah.
1: And I think that's true. Like, I I, I think i'm not sure that she's the villain obviously but she wasn't nice she wasn't pretending by any means Mm-mm. and how that like kind of puts the other puts dd on on edge and stuff i just mm-hmm. i really god i love this show a lot yeah. i love this case I, I think there is a lot to be explored within it and i won't make this the here's how the whole case pans out <laughs> if you end up watching all which i guess that's my follow-up question is do you plan on mm-hmm. watching more
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I think when we originally started doing our lineup, I was like, I haven't seen the act yet. This would be a good excuse to watch it. And then you're like, perfect. I'm so excited. Let's discuss. I was like, whoa, I haven't even watched the show yet. (laughs) (gasps)
1: Let's talk about it now. Now, No,
0: no. Let let me give you the pilot episode in text form. (laughs) And then you can react to that.
1: (laughs) I I can't wait to hear for you to learn more about this case and how it all unfolds because it is book wild anyone who has not seen the act or has not heard of this case Mm -hmm. go google it because holy Mm -hmm. shit Mm -hmm. things go crazy
0: yeah i know enough and like obviously when this show came out it's just like how there's tiger king now everyone has like an entire article of like here's what's true versus what's false and like what actually happened and stuff like that so it's crazy to see that blow up i've been able to stay kind of sheltered I would say that I enjoy true crime, but I don't like seek it out like a lot of my other friends or other people do. Like, yeah, me, you (laughs) you especially or like my coworkers. They're like, I've watched all of Criminal Minds and now I'm doing like all the 10 buddy tapes and blah, blah, blah. Like they're on that. I mean, they're on the dramatization end of it.
1: It's like I have feelings.
0: (laughs) And then I have the other friends that are about every single true crime podcast there could possibly be out there. It's like, I've listened to all these, you need to listen to Dr. Death, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, okay, I like my nerd shit, so I'll uh, be over here. I'll have it on my back burner if I ever feel like getting bored.
1: <laughs> As a person that's true crime, again, everyone kind of has their genre, right? They have their mm-hmm. thing that they really appreciate, whether it's podcasts or TV shows. And I, I have a hard time necessarily defining my niche. Because mm-hmm. I don't like listening to every true crime podcast, because I think a lot of them mm-hmm. are bad, and they're boring. The only one that I listen to on the regular is the Last Podcast on the Left, because they are super well-researched, they have a good balance of research and humor. I don't watch, like, it, I honestly wasn't planning on watching Tiger King until mm-hmm. I had a family member, I was like, y- you're gonna want to watch
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Carol fucking Baskin. Okay.
0: Baskin. The beans for that are perfect too. Oh. This dates ourselves also when we were recording this, but right,
1: seriously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if the if the COVID didn't already. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> but like I, but this hit in a good way for me. It was, it's just that they do a good job of examining the details of this case, and mm-hmm. overlapping it in ways where you have what happened like. What has happened? What's happened in the past? And they even go further back at times. and They do a lot of time skips, and they just do a good job of correlating it all together.
0: Yeah. They quickly establish, like, the dates, and then they – what I kind of like is they show that opening scene, and they just show that, and then they cut back to the past, and all they say is seven years earlier. I think they maybe give a date – but they don't actually give a date for like what the current events I'm going to say like is the middle timeline is the actual death of D is like uh is right in 2015. So you're like, okay, so this takes place blah blah blah. Oh, I didn't touch on this. I completely forgot. There is a beat or a scene where we see D checking the mail and we see there is a note from Rod Blanchard, the father who is actually paying them medical support i completely forgot about that and i wanted to touch base on that it's like another fucking lie on top of another fucking lie rod's involved still somewhere if if that's his name correctly uh but he's involved still and he's actually paying the money she puts the fucking check in this weird like you know in her little purse thing she has i'm thinking it's her money bag she puts away the wedding ring that she has hanging over her chest so she's like not even involved and I just love it. Like, it's a whole thing. I mean, I did an entire paper about Munchausen's By Proxy, like, 10 years ago. So I I love the subject of this. It's just a baffling subject to me. It's crazy.
1: We can talk so much about... I know. <sighs> oh, oh,
0: before we started recording, I said this. Hey, don't worry. We can talk about psychology a little bit. Because I took Psychology 101 <laughs> and Abnormal Psychology 351 in college. So I know everything to know about psychology now.
1: And I literally just... For one of my finals, wrote a paper about mpsp So it is so wild, wild yeah, how it happens. It's how it's okay. How or not okay. But like how it gets caught. And right. usually, again, the reason you find it is because you find the the symptoms end up ha- affect the victim, not the person themselves. Really. So yeah. So we'll
0: leave it on this note. I think it's just crazy that there's Munchausens and there's Munchausens by proxy. Those are two like amazing things uh, not amazing terrible things (laughs) that live out there and just the sense that you can make yourself sick or you can make a loved one sick like it's like
1: well and and this just gypsy rose case is an extreme end of it it can be anywhere so much as Mm -hmm. taking your kid and repeatedly to your doctor to say they have add and having showing no signs but insisting that they have it like that would fall under by proxy it's it's
0: Right when I was taking that abnormal psychology class, that was the summer before all this happened. Mm. And I had friends that took that class afterwards. Like, yeah, we had an entire lecture just about Gypsy Rose. I was like, well, duh. Duh, why not? <laughs> well, obviously. Current events much?
1: <laughs> Going back, there was something I wanted to to talk about. We're talking about um, them at the mall and stealing stuff. I think that was mm-hmm. such a poignant and well-done scene and showing that gypsy rose may not be as innocent as she thinks or no. as, as the world yeah. points out to be which yeah, yeah. is important not to villainize a child because that is a condition that she was raised in and to be expect that mm-hmm. but as this crime develops further and further you get to see the side like okay how much of this was because she was actually out because of abuse how much of it was pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. what are the limits and what pushed someone to do this crime ultimately mm-hmm. and is yeah. she her behaviors that get developed was that her surviving or is that just who she is as a person mm-hmm. oh it's what
0: she was what she was taught versus what she learned mm-hmm. and everything or like what she was raised in
1: i saw an yeah, interview with crazy. her about the, about the time the act was coming out because of course mm-hmm. it's popular right and yeah, they're hyping it up and she is just a uh, bless her i guess i say bless in the sense she just is, she's getting close to being, coming out of jail, I think, pretty close. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a family, and I'm going to put this all behind me. Like, it just has very low sympathy for what happened. And it's still just kind of that falsetto voice. If you watch the interviews, Joey, Joey King, is that the actress's name?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joey King. Matches
1: it very well. Oh, God. Like, very, very well. Uh, I just, oh, God, the acting was really good, and I'm glad you yeah. enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I really do. I, I really like Patricia Arquette and whatever she's in, minus I haven't seen the medium, obviously. Joey King does a really good job. Anna Sophia Robb does a really good job. Those are the three like standout performances because I know those actresses very well. I feel like I've seen Mel in something else, but I can't. You have. I, I can't quite put my pin on it. Am I, I'm going to look it up here and I'm, I'm probably going to beat myself I'm up. I'm going to tell you right now. Do it. So
1: she was in American Horror Story, The Asylum Season. She was the nymphomaniac. Oh. She's also in the movie that came out recently. Of course, I can't think of the name of it, but I had Bill Murray and the guy that played Kylo Ren. It's the zombie movie. Oh, The, the Dead Don't Die. Dead Don't Die. Yes. I
0: haven't seen that yet. I just saw that pull up. I do want... That's on my list of movies to watch. She was in Russian Doll as well, which is I've seen a couple episodes of. She's also in Lizzie, The Snowman. Okay. Yeah, she's got a good list. So...
1: I really liked her in The Dead Don't Die. I think she's played a wonderful character. Perfect. Weird movie overall. Like, I love me a good indie flick. I love me a good zombie flick. Weird movie, ultimately.
0: Oh, she's also hitting hit and miss. So that is a movie that has been on my Netflix queue forever. And I see it pop up like on my, hey, this is still on your list. And I still haven't watched it, even though it is eight years old at this point in time but i'm still like i'll eventually watch watch it it, her face is plastered over the front of it so that's also where i know her from is just like oh that one show that i haven't watched that's just like the ghost that's haunting me no big deal
1: (laughs) i'm sure i'll have more to say about this when we do our season finale right yes i'll put down some Mm -hmm. more notes and once you finish Mm -hmm. the show too i'm sure we'll have plenty of things to talk about if we decide to broach further onto the act
0: yes But definitely it's a show that I am going to continue. Like you said, it's only six episodes. I will probably watch this on my next day off and just binge it and be like, and you know, you'll get a message from me that'll probably be in all caps at some point in time. But yeah, I really enjoy it. Any other questions or anything from you?
1: I don't think I have questions this time around. You did a good job explaining things and I could could hear excitement. So I guess my last question then for you would be, Mm -hmm. let's see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Out of thirteen, because that's how old we think she is. Okay. Out of thirteen blended pizzas. Oh. <laughs> what do you rate of... the pilot of the act?
0: I mean, I always preface this because always with these like limited series anymore, they you know already have the show greenlit for the entire entire thing. But if this was just a standalone pilot by itself, and then they were going to continue on from here. I would say this this would be a thirteen out of thirteen for me. I really enjoyed it. The beats were great. Yeah, there's not. I really don't have a whole lot to nitpick about the show. Like, I just have my you know my fucking stupid comments. Oh, here's a comment. It this show is Bubble Boy, but it's sad. <laughs> bubble Boy, but sad or bad, because at the end of that, oh, God. Jake Gyllenhaal got to live outside of a bubble. And live happily ever after with everyone. I don't think that's how it's going to turn out with this show.
1: I don't think so either.
0: We already know it doesn't. Because <laughs> Dee Dee dead.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, that got me pretty good. I actually got like a little bit of a tear there.
0: You're welcome. That can be the tagline.
1: Oh, good stuff.
0: <laughs> yep. I want that on a shirt now.
1: <laughs> Bubble boy, but sad.
0: <laughs> Bubble boy, but sad.
1: <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you like us, if you like our show, go check out the other stuff that we do. If you are like, wow, they make really good content, please, please, I should reward them for making good content and describing these episodes like they're fever dreams. Go check out our Patreon and where you can find full episodes that uh, John cleans up still, but has all of our rants in it.
0: Good or bad.
1: (laughs) You can find those on our Patreon for a price that I can't remember this time. So we're just going to say, you can find it on our Patreon. And, you know, hey, if there's even more things, if you're like, I like podcasts, but I don't like actual plays, but I like video games. You can find us on Twitch. We do some video game streaming on Twitch. And more importantly, by the end of this, I'm sure you have feelings. I'm sure you have feelings about the act. I'm sure you have feelings about the Graceland. So what that means is you should definitely join our Discord where you can talk trash to us and you can tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. Did I miss anything? I don't know.
0: I mean they can follow us on Twitter. I think you already mentioned that too. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, where can they find you on Twitter?
0: Where can they find me? You can find me by the name sign ET E-Tay That's E-T-A-Y-S-C-H-A. On anything that matters, some gaming communities, if you're feeling really froggy, you can find me with the handle Rusty Dull Knife. That's where you can find me. Just on those two handles. Anything you can really find me on is is those two. So yeah. And Alex, what about you? Just for your own Personal rants and, and slangs.
1: Mostly, you can hear me talk about my anxiety on a daily basis over <laughs> on my Twitter account. <laughs> they can find me at Roll for Alex. This is the insert that John adds when I forget to credit our theme song properly. Our theme is "Astronaut" by the Spinwires from their Nights Out EP all right the music's cueing us off let's get the fuck out of here man
0: let's playing ourselves out all
1: right (laughs) Bye.
0: bye everyone thanks for coming
1: see ya